Happy New Year and welcome to More Than A Game. Uh, my name's Tommy MC and I'm joined by George and Andy. Boys, Happy New Year to you both. Uh, any news resolutions for either of you? Wait, George, did you, you refer to yourself as Tommy, Tommy MC? MC? <laughs> is, that a, is that a new, new moniker? New year, new year. I'm just leaning into the meme, boys, leaning into the meme. <laughs> George, any, any, any news resolutions? Uh, no, nothing yet, mate. Nothing's come to mind. You've, you've, you've uh, maybe just to leave the house uh, soon. Soon, that'd be good. Get vaccinated. Get vaccinated. <laughs> Andy, what about you, mate? Um, not as so many resolutions. I mean, we had a bit of time to reflect at, at New Year's. Normally, we'd probably, you know, don black tie and go to the opera and that sort of stuff. But obviously, we weren't allowed to do that this year. So, uh, probably work on my putting. We played some mini golf at New Year's. And, uh, <laughs> I don't think either of us suck apart, so it's close. Uh, for, for New Year's, did the two of you just get troweled together? Or Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you'll love to see it. You can just imagine you two having a having a New Year's kiss together. Oh, it'd be so sweet. <laughs> well, it d- depends who's asking, Tommy. Yeah. If, if, if the UK government's asking, it was just us two. But as friends, there may have been a few other people up there, but... You know, we we may have uh, loosened up the bubble a little bit, but um... <laughs> a, a wink's as good as a nod to a blind bat. Um, <laughs> or, or or boys, no bat. <laughs> sensitive, sensitive topic. Too soon, too soon. Alrighty, boys, uh, a lot of football to cover today. Uh, we, we were meant to be talking some A League first up, but um, I think Damon might be asleep. Um, so we'll we'll kick off into moment of the week, but it's going to be uh, strictly Premier League today. Um, Andy, you want to go first? Sure. Um, I was uh, browsing the, the German newspapers, as as I often do. Brushing up uh, on your German. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, we're always interested to see what sort of things footballers get up to outside of uh, their playing career. And uh, I came across uh, one headline, and it was uh, Müller will adjust Spermer millionaire Wilden, uh, which translates to uh, Thomas Müller wants to become a sperm millionaire. Uh, don't, know if, don't know if you guys caught this, this no. or not, <laughs> but Tom, Thomas Muller and his wife is a, a Olympic Olympic uh, dressage uh, competitor own a, um, a horse breeding farm for dressage horses, but it's actually now become an official EU horse insemination station. Oh, uh, it's called a uh, Good Wilton Cam, and uh, he's got four. So three trusty sort of stallions that they rely on there, one called Davy, one called Four Roses, and another called Bowmore. And uh, Davy, it seems, is the, the most reliable. He's the, the Muller-esque of the, the, the stallions. Uh, now, two rounds of insemination with Davy uh, costs 1,600 euros um, plus 7% VAT and uh, some other additional fees. Um, I'm not sure what the other fees are for, maybe handling Handling fees, but handling uh, really, yeah. Um, orders, so orders if you if you like some of that. 
some of Davey's sperm. They've got to be placed uh, by 10 a.m. on weekdays and 9.30 on weekends. Uh, <laughs> they guarantee uh, next day delivery. So um, I just you know, thought this was interesting. Uh, Will's obviously very well set up for his uh, career outside of football. Look, um, uh, that's that's all well and good, Andy, but I think what the listeners really want to know about is uh, how does Brexit affect this? <laughs> uh, well, I think there might be a VAT issue yeah. there and, and some, some other. So be, be, be aware, you know, yeah. this, this time the, the costs of horse dissemination might uh, might go up. It might get stuck at the French border, just like could, many things at the moment. Could could this have been a real um, sticking issue for, um, for Britain <laughs> uh, moving forward as well? Could they be like, British horses come first? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Dave, Davey comes first and that's... Uh... Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Only if you pay, though. Only if you pay. <laughs> wow, um, yeah, a lot to um, a lot to digest there. Um, <laughs> oh shit! Um, is is there any more, or is that it? Um, yeah, I think that's enough. <laughs> that's <laughs> oh, George, please, please save us. <laughs> oh, no, I wasn't going to save save you, boys. I'm sticking with the animal thing, but uh, on the on the. On the <laughs> On the uh, slightly, slightly uh, food in a food sort of sense, not uh, on dissemination uh, level chat. There, it's the the pig that Jose Mourinho bought uh, Sergio Regulon for for Christmas because he was going to be by himself. Did you guys see this? You didn't see this. I'm I'm glad uh, you're here to explain this because I I saw little tidbits about this, but I this don't is feel amazing. like I saw the whole story. So, if I, oh, so basically, uh, Regulon was going to be by himself for for New Year's. Um, so Jose Mourinho bought him a a a five hundred pound uh, pig. Uh, it, it's 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 apparently, and it's a shame Jesse's not here, but it's a, a Portuguese and Spanish. Um, uh, it's it's thought highly of in Portugal and Spain. Like a, like oh, a black pig? Like a Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Pig, right. Okay, yeah. not he didn't find like a pet pig. No, I think. Uh, if I can, uh, and for uh, metric listeners, the, uh, is that two hundred fifty kilos thereabouts? Oh, I see. Well? That's not going to work. But um, <laughs> it's about. It was worth about five hundred pounds. So maybe nine hundred, nine fifty AUD. Um, oh. So it's it's quite a special pig, and and uh, or you know essentially a giant leg of ham. Now, um, Regulon told Mourinho he was going to be by himself for New Year's or, or Christmas. I uh, I think it may have been uh, Christmas actually. Um, and you know, obviously, he'd be he'd be basically you know uh, in his little bubble. He, he he's obviously moved over here from Spain and doesn't know a lot of people. And um, and so Jose was being really really nice and looking after his well being well being. But um, Sergio got an invite from uh, Eric Lamella and Giovanni Lo <laughs> to a Christmas party and ended up uh, uh, ended up uh, going to quite a big party with uh, looked like quite a few people uh, there and. Um, Obviously, breaching the the COVID protocols, and and God only knows if he brought the pig along or, or not. So, um, and he was on the bench, and I think Lamella and Oselso were out of the squad for for their game yesterday. So, um, was was like Ringo one of the ones that lied about the party? Like, was he telling porkies or? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, there's quite a good, quite a good photo on the internet of the of the party. It looked like quite a good setup. A couple of Santa Clauses there, some kids, and uh, some some nice, some nice Christmas lights. But uh, yeah, no pig in sight. So I don't know whether he, <laughs> he left it there or brought it as a gift. And and maybe Jose's mad because he may have regifted it. So that's <laughs> well, that's my uh, that's my uh, moment of the week and own goal in one. 
I, I did hear, and I don't know if this is just a bit of a running joke or if it's legit or not, that Regulon's vegan. I, like, I feel like that's like that's straying into like massive bullying territory to give someone like, a leg of ham when they're vegan. Here you go, pussy. Well, then that, that's just a straight on goal for, from Jose. Then I was giving Jose the moment of the week for presenting yeah, presenting him nice. the, the the pig, but um, maybe if Regulon's vegan, that's just uh, insulting. So maybe it's, he was right to regift it. Maybe he was just he was just taking it to the party to to you know make sure it was eaten. Waste, yeah, yeah. So, I, I reckon no, noting how many Argentinians and I think there was a bunch of Argentinians there. Uh, I saw Lanzini made it. Uh, yeah, he Lanzini, got on the invite. Yeah, he was in there as uh, yeah, Lamella, uh, Lacelso. So pl- plenty of uh, meat eaters there. So I'm sure it would have got <laughs> yeah. eaten if they. Why would they have invited Regulon if he was a vegan? Surely not. So let's myth busted. Myth yeah. busted. <laughs> If any of the listeners know uh, whether or not Regulon's vegan or not, please uh, let us know. <laughs> All right. Uh, for my moment of the week, originally I was uh, going to go with an A-League theme, but um, on the spot I've had to come up with something a little uh, more European. Um, and instead I've gone along with the food theme too, but uh, this one's got a bit of a vegan theme to it. Um, Thomas Suchek, uh, after uh, scoring the the winner against Everton, he was talking about how normally the Christmas New Year period is a bit of a, a bit of a struggle for him, and um, the first game after the New Year period, especially, is particularly difficult because normally he goes back to the Czech Republic and uh, well goes to I guess uh, to Christmas and, and New Year functions and eats heaps of potato salad. And so uh, that, that's pretty much become like the theme in the last week in, in everything to do with uh, Thomas Suchek online, bucket loads of memes to do with Thomas Suchek and potato salad. So um, just going to see uh, plenty of that popping up, uh, I guess, in the, the next couple of weeks, I guess, over the festive period for, for Thomas Suchek and potato salad. Love to see it. Um, uh, boys, all right, let's, uh, let's get into own goal, though. Um, Andy, you want to go first? Although, yeah, look, I was going to say, I suspect we'll, we'll be talking about this later, but it was um, uh, mine was from the, the Man U Villa match and, and uh, Popper being caught on on camera instructing uh, Luke Shaw to dive. Um, I, again, I suspect we'll talk about it if we uh, discuss that match. But in, in short, um, Shaw had the opportunity in a penalty box um, probably to go down and, and didn't. And uh, yeah, pump record on on camera and gesticulating that it would have been a, a better option for him. Well, it, it was I pretty mean, clear, wasn't it? Yeah, poor bad look. Um, bad look, but all the players are doing it now. If they feel contact, they go down, and VAR gives them a penalty. So, yeah. is it bad? Or, you know, is it is it just being a bit of gamesmanship? Gamesmanship, I think, to do it. I think to be uh, seen to like you know to to to, in, to intentionally uh, yeah mis mislead. Officials or, or to go down artificially is still sort of frowned upon. Um, it's sort of it's a dark, it's a dirty secret. We all acknowledge that it ha- it's happening, and everyone's going to continue to do it. Uh, Luke, Luke Shaw's just got to get his head in the game. Why, why does he need to be? Everyone else has got the memo. What's Luke Shaw been doing? Well, again, I, I, eating too much potato salad. <laughs> top of soup, yeah. <laughs> Look, I, and I don't, I don't want to um, perpetuate a stereotype. But do you think, uh, Tommy? Do you think uh, Tellers would have needed to be instructed? To, uh, to go down in the box, he felt the same contact. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. he, he probably. Um, I wonder if Alex Tellers was at the um, news <laughs> party as well. Maybe they could have talked about it there. I don't think you can. Yeah, you, I think he may. He may have got in trouble for, for being in, in, going into a tier four area, Tommy. So I don't think that would have worked. 
Um, All right, but uh, yeah, like Andy, like you say, I think we'll, there's a little bit more to cover there where we um, when we come back to to Premier League chat in a second. Um, George, what about you, mate? Oh, look, I, I think my my Christmas party thing was the own goal, but I've got another one, and I, I can't remember if I've mentioned it before, but it's really it's really getting on my nerves when uh, the broadcasters have to keep apologising for to the crowd for to the to the audience for picking up some some potentially uh, you know. Uh, flammable language or however they want to call it. Like, we know there's no crowd. We, 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 we know the mics are on. And to be honest, we all want to be at games. So we want to hear that sort of language. So stop apologising for it. In fact, they I should actually, turn, turn the microphone up so we can hear it. I actually really like listening to the, um, yeah. like the managers and the sideline and the players on the field and because and, you can never normally hear it. So it's, it's exactly. kind of a... If, if anything, I don't like that sometimes they – I think they try to drown that out with the, the crowd noise. I think that does a and bit of a disservice. Should be – everyone should play a drinking game. Uh, just <laughs> the amount of times they apologise for, for picking up the language. So, yeah, it's, it's starting to get on my nerves a little bit. It's been too long without crowds. So <laughs> the, 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 the four apologies per game is, is, is starting to grind my gears a bit. Four is a lot, really, isn't it? You'd think you'd think one apology would be enough, and then all right, let's move on. Okay, yep, all right, there's some more swearing. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. and, if, and if you've been in the crowd and sat, you know, behind the goals, you've heard much, much worse at a game than whatever the players say. Like, um, mm-hmm. I think it's quite fascinating because they're always switching between you know, four languages on each team, and and then the manager will say something like, "It's I find it really interesting." Yeah, they should put subtitles on. Yeah. Just encourage it. <laughs> we can all learn a few extra words <laughs> in Portuguese, and it'll be good. And, and explainers for uh, sort of like what all of the all the terminology means and, and whether yeah. or not it is racist or is it yeah. racist depending on, depending on who's uh, saying what Cavani's got to yeah, say. It's Cavani or, yeah, that's right. Yeah, good, good, good shout. What about you, Tommy? All right, boys. So for my own goal this week, we're headed to South America, to Paraguay, not a country that comes up a lot on uh, more than a game. But uh, this week uh, it goes to Raul Bobadilla. He plays for Club Guarani in Paraguay and uh, against, oh, this is, I'm going to struggle with this, but uh, Guarinena. And uh, he scored a cracking goal, uh, ran off to the sideline, off to the to the byline to celebrate near the corner flag, and and he's he's ripped off his shirt, he's taken off like you know the 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 bro the manzia which has like their little tracking device in it, he's ripped off that as well, and then he's gone to pull down his pants too, and he's sort of partially exposed himself, so so it's not a not a full uh, dick dick uh, sort of video or, or uh, full exposure, but he's um. Apparently, he's screaming at the camera saying, this is all for you, baby. This is all for you because uh, recently he got che- caught um, cheating on his on his partner, on his wife or girlfriend. I'm not sure what it is. But, um, yeah, like you, Which you one just was love to see it. Who was it for? Mistress, the wife, the girlfriend? Well, look, I'm going to assume it was for, for his partner or wife, but uh, I guess you could never be too sure, can you? Well, he probably says, he probably says this to all, all girls, you know. <laughs> it's all for you, baby. It's all for, it's you. All for you. He's very specific. He made a point not to name names. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. But, uh, yeah, some dicks out at the football. I mean, Andy, have you ever wanted to do that when, whenever you want to uh, – like one of your your girls has come to futsal or something, just rip off the shirt, rip off the bro, rip off the pants, say, baby, this is all for you. Firstly, firstly I don't think uh, if a girl ever watched me play futsal, I don't think she would be interested uh, again. So I've, I've made a point of uh, keeping them away from, from the futsal court. And, uh, yeah. Save it for Snapchat, I think. Save it for Snapchat. <laughs> my only fans. 
Yeah, only fans. Yeah. <laughs> that way he can generate some in- income from it as well. So. <laughs> I've heard it's pretty probably, lucrative. I've heard it's fairly lucrative. So. Probably, probably more income than what Andy's going to score from futsal goals. Correct. So. Correct. <laughs> All righty, boys. Uh, let's crack off into some Premier League chat then, shall we? Um, first up, we I'm keen to talk about uh, what I think was probably the most keenly um, uh, thought of match or keenly anticipated game of the round, which was Men United hosting Villa. Um, Men United had the chance to go equal top if they got all three points, while Villa could have gone as high as second if they had won. Um, but alas, uh, Men United took away the victory, goals from um, Anthony Martial, um, and a controversial penalty as well. Boys, um, we've mentioned this a little bit at the top uh, already about uh, Luke Shaw not diving, but um, look, the the real controversial moment out of this was whether or not Pogba dived for mm. the actual penalty, uh, which I think was a couple of minutes later. What do you think? Uh, I, I know Jesse was blowing up in our uh, MTAG group chat that this definitely wasn't a foul. Um, what, do you guys think it was? No, I think he was close to him, but, uh, you know, Pogba went, you know, went, went down uh, incredibly easily. Um, and again, mm. made to, I think obviously, I think there must be some element of confirmation bias here because we've just seen him instruct a, a few minutes earlier, uh, instruct Luke Shaw to, to dive if he got the opportunity. So uh, there's got to be an element of that, but it did look like he went down very, very softly. Uh, so, yeah. What about you, George? Oh, it's just classic Pogba. He, 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 you know, he's always going to go down in that situation. And and so, you guys, so you guys yeah, don't yeah. think that Douglas Louise's knee uh, clipping uh, Pogba's ankle, you don't think that's that's enough for a fact? I think, again, there's contact. I think he was close to him, but except he sort of throws his feet out, out from under him. Um, that, that, that said, I just thought Pogba played quite well, actually, up, up until that point, and which he seems to sort of do every time his agent mentions that he might be in the shop window again. <laughs> Well, remember he was garbage up until the point when, uh, what's his name, uh, Mineraola popped out and said, uh, yeah, Pogba's definitely going to be leaving. And then all of a sudden yeah. the following week, I think he scored a goal or scored a penalty or something. Came like on, that. yeah. One of those. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And um, now you sort of wonder, like, if, um, if anything... Uh, Solskjaer seems to have reverted back to playing sort of not not a not a diamond midfield, but like just a flat midfield four, um, which Pog was kind of on the left, and like there was uh, there was one instance where who who would have been playing on the right? I think it would have been Bertrand Traore. Um, and you look at the two players, and you think, yeah, Pog was not going to keep up with with him, and I think he he just it was just a blur in the background as as um, as Pogba was trying to track him back. Um, but do you, do you guys think that that's actually going to be a good move for uh, going forward for for Man United and for Pogba? Him playing basically as a left midfielder. No, I mean we we know his best spot is on the left in a three. Like that's that's unanimous. That's where he's always had his his best performances. Um, and they've tried any other variation on spots to put him in the midfield. They've tried to play him as a ten. They've tried to play him like further wide, like in the middle. Like, we know what the best spot to put him in. So I don't know. If you're not going to have the right formation for him, then it's a bit of a waste. Mm. So, 
I kind of wondered if, um, like, Pogba's a player that seems to seems to revel in positions where he's given quite a strict structure. Um, I mean, he was given quite a specific sort of niche at, at Juventus on the left side of that diamond midfield, and uh, his best performances probably in the last few years have come when he's played for France in sort of like a double pivot alongside Kante. And I, I almost wonder if, um, apart from maybe not defensively but offensively, putting him, um, I guess, basically as a left left midfielder could actually sort of uh, be some of the structure that, that he's maybe been craving for the last few years but um, just hasn't been given. Yeah, and, and just on just on Man U uh, as a whole, like you, I, I find like when they're when they've got to take the game to teams and, and they're playing your, your Fred McTominay and mm. Fernandez, sometimes it's it's just all on Bruno. So they're not going to. I can't I can't see them winning anything unless they have sort of an extra midfielder in there to be able to create and do something. So you, you've seen them so many times. Uh, you know, struggle to break teams down. At least you, with Pogba anywhere on the field, he's capable of, you know, a through ball or doing something that might sort of get get the, get the attacks going. So, you know, I'm, I'm more inclined to have him on the field than not, despite his defensive deficiencies. And, yeah, just how the fuck a man you equal first? Like, what, what is going <laughs> on? Like, what the hell is going on? Like, they've been dog shit, and, and yet they're, they're equal on points with Liverpool. So... Yeah, it goes to show what we know. Or, yeah, Solskjaer's, yeah, manager of the year. I, I don't know. I'm very confused. I, I don't manager know what's Manager of the year for, for 2020 or 2021. 2021. 2021. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the year that doesn't exist. I, yeah. I, I, will, I will make a point. I'm sure, like, and this, I think, comes up again when you talk about most teams and their form, is that I know Christmas is the usual measuring stick for where we are in the season, but I don't know in this year because of it that, the frequency of, of matches and the, con- the fixture congestion. I don't know if we've had, and the late start, I don't know if we're actually halfway yet, but also because the games are so close together, teams gain momentum and lose momentum incredibly quickly. Mm. And it only takes a minute to string together three wins in a week and all of a sudden you're flying up the table. So I think we will see a massive correction. And you're, you've got to remember, and I'm sure we'll come to this again later as well, some teams have played 17 matches and others have played 14 in one case. So... There's we, a few seasons ago we had that false table situation where there was uh, I think City and a couple of other clubs had yeah. three four games less than everyone else and then towards the end there was a massive correction. I think that's kind of the case here. I don't think they will stay second. Um, I'm ignoring the table for now. Well, that, that's a good point. City still have two games to to play and they I think can go level on points with uh, with Man United if they yeah, win City, both of those City games. Probably- 14 games, but no, all the top teams have only played 16. Oh, well, so sorry, it's the sorry, bottom. The, just your West Ham's and your Arsenal and Leeds have uh, played 17, and they're no. mid table. So. Mm, so you're right. I, th- I think it is a little bit. Um, it's a little bit tricky to know sort of who act- who's going to actually sort of sit uh, where. Noting that because uh, I think Man United do have uh, a game in hand uh, to come still against. I think it's Burnley, but not really sure when that's actually going to be played. I think that was one of the. That might have been one of the games uh, very early on in the season, or it was just n- not even considered um, for for a match day yet. So I'm not really sure how that's all going to work out, but <clears throat> excuse me. So, um, look, uh, we, we talked a lot about Man United and I think we're all uh, joint in confusion about um, where, uh, why Man United are, are so high. But um, 
Villa, like I said, could have gone second in this match, and and they've sort of uh, they've been good in bursts. Obviously, thrashing Liverpool early on in the season, which still kind of boggles the mind a bit how they managed to put seven past Liverpool not that long ago. Um, yeah, it does feel a bit strange still, doesn't it? Um, but they they have been fantastic for for long stretches of the season, and Grealish has been probably one of the players of the season thus far. Um, but but where do we think uh, Villa's going to end up? Uh, sort of come come season's end. I mean, they're, they're still thereabouts for a European spot, and I think that's a realistic goal for them. Um, do you guys think they're going to finish in a Europa League spot or higher? Yeah, they could definitely potential. I mean, Ross Barkley's been injured as per normal for for <laughs> so I think. <laughs> Some things remain the same. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think they need him to come back just to give them because it's 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 pretty reliant on Grealish. Yeah. And when at least you had two of them, they, they were they were able to sort of create off each other. So I think that he's a he's a big out. Um, so I, I think if he if he comes back and gets back into that form he was in, then yeah, they're they're a chance for the Europa League spots for sure. And, and that is a good point. Like we've seen how many people uh, have gotten soft tissue injuries this this year, but if Grealish gets an injury. Like filler are fucked, aren't they? Yeah, I mean he's got strong calves and and uh, <laughs> backside, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully it holds up for the the full season. But um, yeah, but they're, 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 you're right; they are sort of in form. That um, El Ghazi in the last couple of weeks has looked great. Yeah, Troy is good. Emmy oh, Martinez good. as well. So the goals aren't coming for Ollie Watkins, but like he seems to always be in the right position and get ten chances a game. So if he can sort of you know kick into form, then I don't know, like. Uh, it's a good point you make about Ollie Watkins. He hasn't scored in seven now for uh, for Villa after a, a pretty good start to the season. But I, I guess you do have to wonder. Yeah, like you do start to need uh, you do start to need to start putting away some of those chances that he gets because otherwise, um, yeah. I mean, even in the game like this where they only lost by one, if if um, Watkins scores one of the chances that he gets, obviously. They they take a point away from it, and not only do they get a point, but but one of their closest rivals doesn't get points too. So, um, yeah, I, I think if if Watkins is able to become a bit more clinical, then um, they're going to be uh, a far greater shout for a Europa League or even higher spot come into the season. And I saw something about Wesley potentially coming back, so they'll have you know a backup average forward to come in. For, for a second, I thought you meant. Like back to the club, but I'd forgotten that he never left. He's just been injured this whole time. <laughs> so I think he's, he's coming back. Oh, geez, I'd completely forgotten about him. And even uh, looking at the lineups for this, I saw um, Tom Heaton and I thought, oh, is he still there? And again, another player who I just completely forgot was still at Villa. Anyway. Right, um, moving on though. So uh, Tottenham hosted Leeds in probably the other keenly anticipated game of the round. Um, in this one, some days everything comes off for you, and that was Leeds against West Brom last week, and then some days just nothing comes off for you. So, And that was Leeds against Spurs this week. Um, tough day at the office for Leeds uh, as their travels to North London as they went down 3-0. Um, boys, this this seemed uh, not, not routine for Spurs, but they did seem to do it in a bit of a canter, didn't they? Well, you just knew they were just going to wait to pick Leeds off, and then they just did it, like, it was it was like what two nil at half time, you know. The, the, the I mean, the, the, one of them was a, one of those sort of contentious type penalties yeah. um, where there was sort of arguably contact, and Bergwijn went down. But then you oh, know, I think mate, the only thing contentious was about that was whether or not it was inside the box in, or outside, or outside the, box. the box. Yeah, it was a bit of a I dumb challenge. 
Yeah, look, he came, I think, from a little bit of, uh, on the blind side, but I think that was definitely a pen for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, um, it, it was, you could just see it happening, I guess. So it's probably uh, just silly defending as opposed to uh, yeah, and, and non-contentious or not contentious. And then, yeah, just Spurs were picking them off. You know, Son scored a nice goal. Yeah, the ball from Kane was elite. But more um, in, in both that goal and a couple of other times, um, uh, what's the name? Uh, Norwegian guy. Hoiberg. We need Colby for the pronunciation. Uh, Excuse Hoiberg. me, Colby. Sorry. It was, there was a good times. amount of mayo on that. I appreciate it. <laughs> for like four to five times the match, like quickly win the ball and release it. Um, and that, three or four times, that's exactly how Spurs kept getting in, in, in behind. So um, he, had, he had a great game. I think he's been one of the signings of the season because um, I don't think you can look at many other teams in the league and, and, and maybe Emmy Martinez is probably the only one that really rivals him, I think, for for impact. Um, what about, what about his, well, he was there last no, year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was last season's um, oh, just Donny, last season. Donny van der Beek as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> Alex Tellers. Alex Tellers, yeah. Yeah, that's a it's a fair shout, Tommy. That's a fair Although shout. Although I th- I did remember when we started the season, his first two matches, I thought his first game was so his bad. His first game was so bad. <laughs> it was like, but what, what do I determine? Wasn't that against Everton? And yeah, and what, from memory, Spurs were just bad in general that game. Yeah, yeah, that, everyone had written them off, and then everyone had picked them for the title. So now they've sort of leveled out um, a little bit. The strange. The strange thing about this season is that every so often Spurs are having one of those games where they're just absolutely dog shit and nothing comes off for them. Like they'll have multiple players that will just be terrible and and that game was one of them. And uh, was uh, I can't remember who it was recently, but Spurs Spurs are having one of those games about every sort of five or six games where you, you think Mourinho would be pulling his hair out and absolutely going nuts at the players sort of um, in, in the lead up to one of these games. But And, and I think um, – sorry, mate. I was saying, I think it was I heard on the radio this morning was Son's hundredth goal for yeah. Spurs. So it's pretty, pretty incredible that signing. Um, and yeah, what a great player. Yeah, um, I guess on that topic as well, Kane reached um, ten goals and ten assists uh, this season. I believe it's the the fastest that it's happened um, in in the Premier League. So. One thing I did catch as a result of this was that there was a little bit of talk that Spurs are too reliant upon Son and Kane. Um, boys, how ridiculous is that comment? By being reliant on your, on your best players. Yeah. yeah. Why can't you rely on your best players who have an amazing co- combination? I I feel stupid for even giving it some airtime, but I saw it on like the the Optus um the Optus front page, and I thought that is so fucking stupid. Yeah. yeah. I will say I will, I will say though, um, if if Harry Kane doesn't play and gets injured, they don't have mm. a ready made replacement, so they can play like the the fast guys up front. But I, as we saw last year, it really affected them when he wasn't there. I know Son wasn't there for part of it as well. Yeah. So it'll be. Um, I think Jose will be be looking to strengthen in the in the transfer window, uh, which should be coming up soon. I think so. Yeah, it'll be well, um, one to watch whether they they get a backup striker. And there's, there's yeah. a particularly nasty um, former Premier League striker who's now in the market looking for a club. Yeah, it looks like yeah. yeah but I think awesome. Wolves. I think all the rumours are Wolves are going to going to get him, which is um, yeah, which is an interesting fit. But I guess with Jimenez out, did Diego Costa play for um, Jose at Chelsea, or was that Conte? Um, yeah, Conte era. 
I thought he did play for him. Oh, maybe it was Conte. I don't know. Yeah, well, we, we, we definitely won the title with Conte and Diego Costa. Yeah, I can't yeah, remember yeah. if Jose signed him first. It, it, yeah, there's too many too many changes of manager. But, yeah, the, we, won, we definitely won the title when Conte texted him saying, don't come back. So... <laughs> Brutal. If you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, going off of sort of current interform, you you would have actually thought that he might have been a decent shout to go there, considering how they just seem to be accumulating ex Premier League older players. Um, yeah. but one thing, one final thing from this match though, um, Matt Doherty was sent off uh, for a second yellow in injury time. How dumb was this? Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. In, um, sorry, mate. No, I was, I was just shaking my head. Yeah, it was really <laughs> um, <laughs> we were talking before about um, how Jose must be just sort of pulling his hair out. He probably put a, uh, he would have put on Ben Davies and um, and Matt Doherty, thinking, "Yep, okay, cool. Like two two defensively sound uh, fullbacks should be should be in the clear here. Should be able to get a clean sheet, no red cards." And then Doherty does that in in extra time. Just you must be absolutely livid at him, and I wouldn't be surprised if he um, doesn't get a doesn't get a game now for for quite a while, even after he sits out his, his suspension. I've got to dig out this article that I, I remember seeing. Some Spurs fan had done it, obviously mid December, but had done a mm-hmm. game by game analysis of Aurier and um, and Doherty, and it was um, favourable to to Aurier, like stat, stats wise. I thought he'd had the better performances in, in less games against better better teams, including mm-hmm. defensively. It's a big surprise. Yeah, uh, I know um, in previous years, uh, Aurier has just been a, a walking penalty or a walking own goal. And I think Mourinho yeah. even said so in the um, in the Amazon doco at, at one point, which, I mean, everyone's thinking it, but it's a different thing for your boss to say it to you at training, <laughs> I guess. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think um, – I think – that, that's something that a lot of people wouldn't have had on their uh, 2021 bingo card was for Serge Aurier to turn into a decent defender. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I just checked, Jose did sign Diego Costa. So I think that's a good one to throw into the rumor mill, Tommy. So there you go. Uh, there you go. A little MTAG exclusive, ladies and gents. Um, boys, one final thing. Uh, another three goals against for Leeds. That gives them a goal difference of minus three. But um, they, they've still got the um, the fourth best um Goals fall in the league with only Liverpool, Man United, and Chelsea having scored more. Um, we've talked about this previously uh, on the pod about about Liverpool, uh, sorry Leeds, and how they they just they, they don't really change their approach. It's just always the same. It's always just attack, attack, attack. But uh, I guess um in in games where they score a bunch and and everyone goes yeah cool how fun was that but but I guess um should Leeds be maybe tempering their approach in sort of the final thirty minutes if if they're if they're not looking like they're going to get back into the game oh I I would be more like I'd be more interested to see what they do because in certain games where they're going to need to win certain games and if they take a one nil lead. I'd be interested to see whether that they'd actually try and temper their approach to, to hold a lead because it doesn't seem like they ever will. Um, mm-hmm. And if it, if it comes down to the point where they need to get points, then, you know, it, 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 it's something that, you know, they, they should, I think they should consider doing it because they, at the moment they don't and they're always, they're always a chance to concede a goal. So I don't care whether they, like, it, there's, I don't, behind, like, there's no difference. No, no, there's no difference between losing 2-0 and 3 or 4-0, whatever. If, you, if you're losing, you're losing. I'm more interested to see whether they would try and lock a game up 
when when they're you know when they're a goal ahead because it doesn't seem like they would and and they're, and they're they're it always looks like you can you can score past leads like there's never a moment in a game where they're not susceptible to a counter attack so they're they're always able to potentially score but you know they're, they're they've probably yeah they've come out sort of even with you know wins and losses where they're with this approach and and they'll probably comfortably finish mid table but you know could they be a little bit more pragmatic and and get higher up the table it's probably not that important this year because they're not going to you know challenge for Europe I, I think so he's probably not going to temper his approach but I think they should because you know it, it's it's silly to try and beat Spurs at their own game when Spurs are a counter-attacking team and like mm. you, you, could, you could have penciled in a three nil before the game even started. I know Leeds, <laughs> I know Leeds had chances, but yeah, in my opinion, against against teams who are looking to pick them off, I think it's a bit naive personally. Fair enough. Right. Um, next up, we're going to cover Everton hosting West Ham. Now, here's another one where you probably, in in hindsight, we probably could have picked off that uh, West Ham were going to get a result here. Because I mean, whenever Everton, uh, whenever expectations seem to be high for Everton, they just seem to basically shit the bed. Um, but here were here were two teams that um, looked like they were um, coping with a bit of a New Year's Day hangover. Um, both teams looked like that had a bit of a night on the tins the previous night both a bit flat, intensity not real great in this game, which meant for, uh, which made for a pretty flat match to watch. I don't know if you guys watch this one, but it wasn't a Definitely great not. watch for Definitely one. Glad, <laughs> glad, you're, glad you're here, Tommy, because neither of us saw it. Describe well, it to us. In, in uh, look, to be honest, I can't. I don't Pretty think quick. I can give you a much better description than that. But look, to be uh, um, from a statistical point of view. <laughs> From a statistical point of view, I think it was 60 minutes before there was a shot on target by, I think, by either team or, or just Everton. And, I mean, um, West Ham goalkeeper uh, Lucas Fabianski got injured in the warm-up. So you'd think that uh, Everton would have just been peppering um, standard goal, goalkeeper Darren Randolph, but, uh, alas, it just wasn't to be. Um, and so uh, for, for Thomas Suchek to, to nick in on the, the 86 minute and score the winner, um, yeah, just seemed to be uh, that kind of game for for Everton. Um, good result, obviously for for West Ham and and boys. I do want to throw it out there. This might be one that you guys can answer, having considering you didn't watch the game. Um, but is there a better centre midfield pairing at the moment in the league other than Suchek and Rice? I think there's plenty of better midfield pairings than <laughs> Suchek and Rice. <laughs> Such as. Uh, so you well, can't name one. You can't name one, can you, George? Well, uh, you know, <laughs> let, let's let's take it from the top of the ladder. Do you want me to run through? <laughs> do you want me to run through the, the entire? Uh, no, nah, there, there's gonna, plenty of. You're going to say Curtis. You're going to say Curtis Jones is better than Thomas Suche? Uh no, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say <laughs> that he probably will be, but not right now. Exactly, mate. So you can't you can't find an established solid, team there are solid in the league. Central mid-table obscurity midfield pairing. That's great. I'm not going to bite to that, boys. I'm not going to bite to that. Um, moving on, though, uh, Donny Cavill-Lewin has gone seven games now without scoring. Um, boys, do you think um, he's just not getting the service without Hummers there over the last uh, month or so? Or, or do you think maybe it's just in his head now? It's all about his head. But, um, yeah, I think it's a service thing. Dinya was out as well. I don't know if he yeah. was back. Um, yeah, but, yeah, without ping, ping point balls in the box, he's not going to – because he's not going to score. He doesn't really score his feet too much unless it's sort of a scrappy kind of, um, you know, goal where – a goal mouth kind of 
thing where he just jumps at it first. So, yeah, he needs the service. So, if they're not providing the service, then, yeah, he's not going to score. He's not going to be able to score on his own effectively. Fair enough. Well, boys, uh, noting that neither of you saw that game, there's probably not much more to discuss about it. And to be honest, I don't think there's really much to talk about from that anyway, other than the fact that Everton lost when they were expected to win. (laughs) The Moisaya does it again. All right, boys, uh, West Brom hosted Arsenal in the snow, um, which yeah. I think this might be the first uh, – is this the first match, at least in the Premier League, um, this season where they've played in the snow? Yeah. I think so. I think yeah. so, yeah. It was pretty pretty incredible watching it because about five minutes before they started, the pitch was completely covered and, and yeah, good good work from the, the West Brom groundsmen. They should have not – they should have just let the pitch be filled with snow and postponed the game. Yeah. Strategically, it was a bad move. It was a bad move by the West Brom. Yeah, they, they could have they could have taken a leaf out of City's book of uh, just hatching up a uh, an excuse for the players. Exactly. They didn't need it. They, they could have just let the snow fucking just just fall, and they would have been sweet. Oh shit! Um, but West Brom were dispatched to the boundary, the snowy boundary, for four as Arsenal rediscovered their mojo. Uh, a pair from Lacazette and single goals for Saka and Tierney gave Arsenal three points in really what was a bit of a canter. Um, boys, did you? You may not have seen uh, Everton uh, West Ham, but did you catch the goals for this one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Arsenal just uh, Tierney's goal was was quality. I mean, I can't remember who the yeah. right. Right back was, but yeah, he was a ghost. He was yeah, <laughs> around him and just and then ghost in turned him. him three times and then drilled drilled it with his right foot and then yeah, mate, it, was, it was actually mate, it was actually your boy. It was Ivanovic. No, 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 no it wasn't. No, no. It he wasn't. Was in the middle, wasn't he? Yeah, no, not for Tierney's goal. Ooh. Not for Tierney's goal. No, no, it was it was someone else. Don't worry, we watched this we game, watched Tommy. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Can confirm. They should, they, they should have known because they were saying uh, at half time. Tierney was being complimented for warming up in a T-shirt. Yeah, he, oh, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't care about the cold. <laughs> he, 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 he was the one guy where he was still wearing a T-shirt. Yeah, he, was, he didn't wear the long sleeves either. So his condition probably, suited him. Yeah, would say. Probably, probably pretty hot compared to... Uh, <laughs> sweating. 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 <laughs> and then, yeah, well, that's three wins in a row, isn't it, for Arsenal? And uh, I've got to say, Saka and um, Smith-Rowe look, look ab- absolute gems. I mean, everyone knew Saka was good, but then Smith-Rowe coming into the team... He looks like a, a real – he's like a, mini, a sort of Grealish-type guy operator with his low socks and, and sort of finding those pockets. So, yeah, I think they've they've sort of stumbled upon a, a, a winning formula somehow. You mentioned uh, him at the top, Andy, and he, for me, actually reminds me a little bit of Thomas Muller. Like he, he's not, not – he doesn't like to dribble. He doesn't play like long, uh, long like uh, crossfield balls or anything like that. But he, he just finds space and he and he utilizes it well. I don't yeah, know if that's a big compliment. Sort of moving, but like kind of just gets through. Yeah, yeah I, I see a weird sort of gallop. <laughs> yeah, that too. Not to mention horses again. I don't want to come back to that. <laughs> we just come around in circles, don't we? Um, <laughs> Boys, uh, Arnab wants to know, um, uh, should Arsenal persist with uh, chasing uh, Oa or should they stick with uh, Emil Smith-Rowe? Oh, I still think you should go for Oa. Um, stick with what you've got. Why, you know, why not? This guy's going to need game time to develop and if you bring another attacking midfielder into it, it's going to kind of stunt his, his growth. I mean, you still haven't seen Part- Partey's played like two games as well, like, 
just just have a Arteta's taken so long to stumble upon an actual formula that works, and then introducing someone else, you know, uh, another big big guy coming in, you know, may not work, may work. I don't know. I don't know too much about him, um, and I haven't seen much of his play. But yeah, it seems to be Arteta's taken a year, more than a year, to kind of find something, and he's stumbled upon it. Something a formula that seems to be working. I know there's there's a lot of reliance on young guys, but you've still got a Bamiyang and Lacazette up front. You know a few other experienced guys in the team as well. So um, keep keep it going. You know you, he's fluked it somehow. Um, two three <laughs> three weeks ago, everyone was saying he was going to get sacked. So yeah, the the Arteta out crowd are, are pretty quiet at the moment, aren't they? Yeah. So. Although um, we were all saying that, yeah, going for just sticking with Emil Smith-Rowe is, is probably the sensible way to go. So that pretty much guarantees that Arsenal will go out and sign a while and, and pay way overs for a, a French player with a big reputation, right? And also, uh, yeah, West Brom are dog shit. So let's, let's <laughs> temper temper the Arsenal for the title chat as well. So that, they, so, made, they made Arsenal, you know, look really good, like, you know, the, some of Arsenal's goals were really exceptional, but there were traffic cones just defending. So <laughs> keep that in mind. Wait, so they've they've shipped nine goals in their last two games and zero goals scored, um, yet they're still way above Sheffield United. How, how is that possible? Yeah, yeah, exactly. This table makes no sense. Yeah, and they're, what, they've, they've played two more games. Well, Fulham's game today was postponed as well. So they've played two more games than Fulham, but they're they're they're, they're three points behind. And and, and um, yeah, Brighton. If I'm sure we'll talk about Brighton, but they've played two more games than Fulham, and they're three points ahead. So yeah, look. Um... George, there's, I don't think there's any time better than uh, better than now to, to talk about Brighton than um, Brighton right. Portugal. Uh, I mean, Wolves um, played an exciting 3-3 draw um, with Matty Ryan uh, left out of the Brighton squad yet again. Um, Lee Broxham Fax wants to know where um, Matty Ryan should go this January. He thinks, uh, um, he questions whether Leeds could be a good fit. You could definitely get a lot of work at Leeds. Um, <laughs> they've sort of backed that Met Melier uh, most games, so I, I don't know. I mean, he could be a good signing. I'm just sort of flicking. Don't, don't Arsenal need a good backup? They play, they yeah, play I should Yeah. Um, I don't think he's a good Arsenal backup. Yeah, no. The sad thing is, like, most Premier League teams have a pretty settled goalkeeper. I mean, yeah, I'm trying to think who who's actually – now that Kepa's sort of been retired, um, I'm trying to think who's who's having major goalkeeping issues. So it doesn't seem like um, uh, many teams have, have, a, have a massive keeper problem. It's unusual, isn't it? Because normally we get to this point every year and there, there's one particular club that's really battling with their goalkeeper situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, or, or one of the big teams is it, uh, has a goalkeeper. Three, yeah. Yeah, you're right. This is a little bit strange. In fact, um, it, it might actually mean that for Matty Ryan, he, he might be best to, to go... Um, to like Oldham to with Harry Kewell. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> if, uh, I'll tell you what, though. If it um, hadn't have been for Kevin Musket getting sacked, I think um, uh, Matty Ryan going back to Belgium wouldn't have been such a bad thing. Maybe not for the... Um, that's a serious, that's a serious step down, but I, th- I think he'll, he'll go for a loan somewhere. I think he just has to get out of Brighton because, uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a shame. And then that the Sanchez, I think it is. Is it Sanchez? 
he, he didn't look fantastic yeah. last night. Um, he was probably culpable for, for one of the goals at least. Yeah, I, I think um, which one was it? Was it the he palmed onto um, a lot, lot of goals? Yeah, that's right. It was the Dan Burn. Yeah, 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 with the Sanchez. Dan yeah. How how um how unlucky was Dan Burn in this game? Well, he gave away a penalty, didn't he? Yeah. So. Well, yeah, there was there was the own goal and the penalty both in the space of ten minutes, which at that point you're probably just thinking, "Fuck, how how much worse can this get?" But I think he, <laughs> well, actually, I think he might have gone off. Um, I think he might have gotten substituted. I'm not sure if that was an injury or not, but geez, I reckon getting injured, um, you, you'd almost be hopeful for an injury <laughs> at that point. Yeah. Just get me off, off the just off the, the, yeah. <laughs> the injury dive. Yeah. No, no, but they did. They did pretty well. To I mean, that they, the, the thing that saved them was scoring in the first minute of the second half to to get that uh, to get to get it back to get a goal back because you know they were looking like they were gone for all money at the end of the first half. So Mopay getting that scoring that penalty was was massive for them. And then they they went pretty hard towards the, the end of the game. And yeah, Wolves will be kicking themselves that they couldn't hold on because yeah, they just did, didn't have enough. And and I think Wolves, you know. Neto was really good, but I think Silva just needs a lot more time to develop, and and that's why the Diego Costa signing might might be a shrewd bit of business because they kind of need a backup striker because Silva doesn't seem to be ready yet for yeah the Premier poor kid's seventeen and no, that's, but yeah, I mean, yeah no one's no one's saying that you know I, I only saw the three minute highlights for this game, um, but I don't think I saw Fabio Silva in any of the highlights, and and that's not great for your for your striker, is it that they're not involved in any of the highlights? In his, in his defense, he scored three goals. goals. Yeah, he scored three goals. He was no, but in his defense as well, like he, they're used to having um, Jimenez play yeah. up front, and he's a very different striker. And yeah. Wolves don't really change the way they play, so it sort of doesn't really suit him at all. And he's trying, but yeah, the, the way they play doesn't suit that sort of striker. But it's good to see Traore back in the starting lineup and, and causing all sorts of havoc. Uh, as yeah, we saw. He, he, he won the penalty, penalty yeah. Or he, yeah, that Dan Burden gave away. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, you're right. Good to see him involved again. Um, boys, moving on to I think it's the yeah the final game, which was uh, Crystal Palace hosting Sheffield United. Damo Sheffield United. Um, Sheffield United continued their poor run of form. Uh, Jeffrey Sharp uh, opening the uh, account for Sheff- uh, for Crystal Palace in the fourth minute, which is probably the f- worst possible start for Sheffield United. Yeah. How many um, times have we said that this season? season yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, you're right. Like you, you can't um, even if you do play well for 80 minutes, if you have a really slow start, and they're not scoring a lot of goals either. So, um, as uh, a bunch of teams have demonstrated in previous years, you can if if you get um, 18 scoreless draws away from home and you jag the odd home victory, you, you're going to stay up. Um, but, yeah, if, if you're just conceding stupid goals and, and pretty easy goals like that second goal, I'm going to put that into the easy uh, soft goal category rather thank than you. the one goal category. Yeah, um, thank you. Damo disagreed with me. He said it was harsh. It was a brilliant play. Look, it was a good run. But Look, he, he beats two players, then runs 40 metres, and yeah. when he's and untouched. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think to to be fair to to Eze, I think he um 
he, he looks like he's just jogging, but he, he does he seems to have a pretty decent turn of speed. Um, but it, I tell you what it does remind me of. It reminded me a hell of a lot of the Son goal, which I think ended up winning the Puskas Award. Yeah. And for me, I thought that was ridiculous because I, I thought it was very similar to this. And Andy, I think you'll agree with me um, that, it was just Son, he, he skinned one player, then ran 40 metres and with, with a bloke next to him, pretty much had like a uh, like a, an NFL-style blocker next to him with no one challenging him. And, yeah, uh, yeah decent finish, sure. But so, just so, Tommy, what you're saying is goals against Burnley or Sheffield United shouldn't count as goals this <laughs> season. That's, that's what it sounds like to me. That is a fantastic shout and I'm all for it. <laughs> um, boys, uh, look... If there's there's probably only one other thing to talk about this game, and that's uh, Sheffield United um, still without a win. Um, we're approaching the halfway point in the season, and um, not really sure where they're going to get their first win of the season from. Um, their next five games are uh, at home to Newcastle, Spurs, away at uh, Manchester United, away at Manchester City, and then at home to West Brom. Which one of those are they going to get a win from? Uh, Could be any of them, probably none of them. (laughs) No, they'll be really targeting that West Brom game. If that's a nil-all draw, I'm just going to go nuts. (laughs) You can just imagine Chris Wilder just absolutely like kicking, like just going nuts as well, right, if they don't end up winning that game. But um, what what I can actually see happening is I reckon they'll beat one of Spurs, um, Man United or Man City, and then then they'll lose to West Brom. Okay, then they'll get hammered by West Brom. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, they're, they're they're looking at what? I mean, I don't have it in front of me, but the, what's the, what's the longest time for, for not winning? Have they have they got that yet, or is, was that Derby, Derby or something? Yeah, so they're, they're getting they're, they're coming into record territory, I think, or at some yeah. point they will be. Which is which is weird because I think I don't know if Damo would still say this, but and I didn't see the I only saw the highlights of this game, but like for me, Sheffield United, they're not. Like they they never go out and get spanked. Like they they haven't conceded. Yeah. Um, their, their goal difference is still very respectable considering they've haven't won any games yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, um, they've got their goals for is a massive problem. Though. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They do seem to um, lose a lot by a goal, one nil or you know two mm-hmm. one. But it's only for um, so long you can say they're unlucky. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's true. You got to make your own luck, right? Um, all right, boys, a uh, few previews still to come, though. Um, I think, uh, Andy, you mentioned it already about uh, the Burnley-Fulham game has been cancelled due to um, player unavailability due to COVID. Um, but there's still three matches left in this match um, uh, game week. Um, you've got Newcastle hosting Leicester. Andy, you got a, who, who do you think is going to win and why? I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, Tommy. This, I think Leicester will win, and the reason is that the aggregate score from the last three matches these teams have played is 11 nil to Leicester. <laughs> Wowie. Well, yeah, no, not a not, not a stat expert, but I don't know. Recent, recent, stat, recent, recent, recent form suggests uh, Leicester. I, 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 yeah, superior team. I think Rogers will sort of rotate to his um his better lineup. Um, yeah. Pure, pure is the better team on paper. Brute, New, Newcastle are just a uh, not a ticket entertaining team to watch. Um, neither are Leicester sometimes, um, but yeah, just think it's superior side of the ball. So fair enough. George, uh, Southampton are hosting Liverpool. Have you got a, a prediction and and why um, for this one? Oh, I didn't know this game was being played. Actually, no. <laughs> surprise! Must be a Monday night. Must be a Monday night game. Oh, I think we'll be right at the right date. 
No, never do, Tommy. Don't worry. <laughs> no risk of that ever happening. Um, oh, this is a good game, actually. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Ings Ings back, so I think he he might he might try and do a number on his uh, old old side. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this is gonna be a two two. Liverpool haven't haven't been um, been awesome of late and uh, always susceptible to, to conceding a goal with, with the defence that they've got in at the moment. So they're good good for goals, but they're, they're, I'm going to say two two. Going to back back the Saints in. I think they're playing at home. So yeah, interesting. All right, boys. Uh, we're on to one of the big matches of the round, though. Uh, Chelsea, Georges Chelsea hosting Manchester City. Um, what? Um, Probably one of the, the best attacking sides in the league this season uh, in Chelsea hosting Chelsea. City, yeah, one of really? the best. Uh, wow, that's, that's very complimentary. <laughs> haven't, haven't seen them recently, mate. So. <laughs> Uh, hosting one of the best defensive uh, sides in the league, Man City. So, um, George, we'll throw to you first, mate. You can set the scene for us. Uh, who are you predicting to win this one? I honestly have no idea. Like, Ch- Chelsea have been just very inconsistent, uh, and it'll be interesting. I, I, I don't know what, what Frank's going to do with his with his lineup. You know, there's a lot of pressure to keep Timo on the bench due to his sort of uh, confidence issues. Um I will say, uh, in Timo's defence, he's, he's used to having a month off at Christmas, and he, he, you know, he doesn't get that in England. So there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a, you know, an adjustment phase that he he, he needs to sort of get his head around, and and it doesn't help. Well, it doesn't help when you're playing poorly and you have to keep playing every three days. So, well, mate, he's he's had a month off from scoring goals, so you think <laughs> he he's has. right to go. He sure has. He sure has. So. Yeah, I actually think um, what what I'd like to see is uh, yeah, Pulisic, Giroud, and Hudson Odoi as our, our front three because I think they're our most informed players. So I think Zayek might be back as well on the bench. So that, that's a massive boost. And yeah, I think I think our attacking midfield is is going to be sharp, and they're going to give City problems. It's just a matter of whether Chelsea can score, and 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 obviously where Chelsea's always good for conceding a goal or two at the moment. So. Um, I think this will be another high-scoring, another high-scoring, um, entertaining game. You, you think it will be, or it won't be? Sorry, oh, it will be. It will be. I think that's a great shout about uh, Hudson Adoy. I think he's a player that probably hasn't got the game time that he he should have this season. Um, shown that he's a, a really great. Um, direct player and takes a player on and, and just makes things happen in a way that a lot of people expect um, will happen for for Pulisic. Yeah, and if Giroud's uh, Tammy's decent in the air, but Giroud's obviously world class in the air. So if you've got two guys that can get to the byline, whip it, whip it across. You know, Giroud's Giroud's always a chance if you can find him in the box. So yeah, I'd like to see that. I think that's our best at the moment. That's our best avenue to score until Zayat comes back fully fit. I think Edison is um, doubtful as well, which which would be a factor. Who's sorry? Uh, Who's City's backup goalkeeper? Richard Wright. <laughs> um, actually, it's not bloody Claudio Bravo still. Oh, no, um, no, no, no. Is it that young young guy, Merrick or something? Mm. Merrick. Yeah, so I think. Oh, that, no, uh, it's Scott Carson. I think. Scott Carson. Fuck. How old is he? <laughs> Fuck. Is it my dad's age? <laughs> <laughs> Gee whiz! I think Chelsea he's should 30, play with. He's thirty-five. He's actually what? not that old. Yeah. Shit. He's my age. <laughs> <laughs> Gee whiz! Maybe, well, maybe we found out. If Edison's out, if if Edison's out, maybe we found a home for um, Matty Ryan. We could go to City. 
Maybe you could maybe Timo should play. Start him up front. <laughs> Put him down the middle. <laughs> uh, he could. Uh, Matty Ryan could do a Roberto Martinez and and fail up. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But, uh, all right, boys. Um, all right, um, George. What you, come on, mate. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to get off the fence, mate, and tell us uh, <laughs> what your score prediction is here. Well, with this news, I think yeah, Chelsea with the win. Give, give us a two-one. <laughs> I'll take a two-one to the bank. Andy, what about you, mate? Uh, who, who are you picking for the win from this and why? Two-one the other way. Two-two-one to City. Yeah. I reckon uh, th- I wouldn't be surprised if this one turns out to be a little bit like the the Manchester derby from I think it was about a month ago, um, which everyone had high hopes for, but turns out to be a bit of a bit of a fizzer. Um, excuse me, I don't think both teams are in particularly good form going forward, so um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's another nil all draw. Um, I'm really hoping it's not. And I mean, I, I gassed up the Manchester derby last time, thinking how excited I was, but. Um, yeah, maybe if I say this one will finish a nil or draw, then it will fi- actually finish like a 4-4 thriller or something like that. But anyway, all right. Um, look, that wraps things up for the Premier League. But one final thing before we cut out, um, got a, an FPL prize uh, to give away. Uh, so another month, and uh, I guess all the listeners are probably thinking, bloody hell, I hope another more than a game host doesn't take home the prize. It's fucking Jesse, isn't it? I checked the table the other day. <laughs> well, look, for the listener's sake, no, it wasn't Jesse, but he is oh, yeah. actually still he, he's still in the overall lead, though, um, which, um, yeah, look, there was uh, screams of rigged last time. So... Um, uh, I can't guarantee that Jesse's not going to win the whole thing, but if he does win the whole thing, well, you can't say that was rigged because that would be pretty fucking hard to rig. Um, as it turns out, though, there were um, five players in the in the monthly um, overall rankings that um, uh, that hadn't paid uh, to to enter. So, as it turns out, the sixth best best player is going to be the one who's actually going to take away the uh, the prize uh, this month. And it's it's Michael Emerson-Jones. Uh, he's going to take away uh, this month's prize. So congratulations, Michael. Um, but I think there would be a lot of listeners that would think that there's a little bit of luck involved there given that you actually finished sixth. Um, <laughs> I think one of, one, of my, one of my mates, a killer, is, uh, would, would be in the non-paying uh, lead, I think. He, he was probably up. doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. There's so. <laughs> Are they a bit skint, are they? <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, boys. Um, the only yeah, other thing uh, I'd like to bring up, Tommy, before the end of this is, uh, I mean, this is going to be hard for people listening in the podcast, but um, it looks like you're uh, coming from a sauna at the moment. So yeah. can you, can you <laughs> explain you, to me what you set up here? But this is my bedroom. I'm expecting, I'm expecting to see like a, a man in a, a bathrobe. You know, c- coming from the steam room, just in the background. I've been waiting all, yeah, that, that all day for it. Hot in yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're just wearing a towel underneath, aren't you? In fact, that's that's the towel you can see over my. <laughs> oh, right, so no <laughs> towel. Yeah. Like it. Your uh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you might be breaking a few laws where you are there, Tommy, by doing that. That's what you're talking about, mate. <laughs> At the top, I said I was going to be catching up with Damo to talk A-League. However, instead, I caught up with Colby to talk A-League. Here it is. 
Okay, hello and welcome to More Than A Game listeners. Um, Colby and I are back uh, to talk A-League. Um, we were trying to talk A-League yesterday with Damo, but um, yeah, you know, life gets in the way sometimes, doesn't it? Um, Colby, welcome to the pod, mate. Mate, happy to be here. Um, late call up <laughs> off the bench, um, you know, always happy to be in the squad. So uh, yeah, re- ready to go. Here we go, shall we? All right, well, mate, um, it, it was a pretty wild weekend of, of A-League. It felt like a real return to form for the A-League after some... There was some good football last weekend and, and midweek and some not-so-good football. But um, I tell you what, the football that was served up on Saturday, both games were an absolute treat. I know uh, there was one game in particular that you enjoyed, but we're going to cover that second, mate. We're going to we're gonna cover off on uh, the, the Wellingong uh, fire chickens first. Um or uh, what do you prefer, Wellingong or Wollongong? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, maybe well- Wellingong. I think Wellingong does it for me. Wellington almost reminds me a little bit of Joelington. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you mean it just Wollington? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit, we're we're ringing a lot out of that one, aren't we? But um, all right. Um, this was a game that I, I was uh, excited to see because I hadn't seen Sydney FC play yet. Um, and and Wellington obviously we're coming into um to this week um with some good form on the back of last season, and we're sort of thinking, well, how, how's this all going to play out? But um, Sydney were also missing a couple of key players as well, and so you had uh Callum Neuwenhoff. Um, him stepping into the breach as well. And, uh, yeah, what a debut for him on minutes. Stepped up and absolutely pinged one top corner. Not many people are going to be saving them. Yeah, it was bloody. Like, you'd be happy with that for your debut goal in the A-League, wouldn't you? Um, Absolute top bins. Yeah, and um, although uh, if there's one thing we should mention about uh, about this game it was before it even started, which was uh, Colby, did you catch the the pregame for this? Uh, no, I didn't catch the pregame because I was watching on the My Football app, and uh, I think they <laughs> are they pregames. I don't know. I've been trying to watch them, but I haven't caught any of them. So I think yeah, they must okay. be a Fox only thing, and and they cut off all of the other subscription services. So I haven't I haven't had the benefit of those. So on, on the My Football app, does it just start when the game starts? Like literally, yeah. the ref plays the whistle. Like, oh, wow! I'm okay. In at like two minutes to kick off, and it still says like the match will start shortly. So I'm just wow. And, yeah, okay. yeah, no good. I think it was me on social media recently that was gassing up the My Football app, saying how how great a value is. But I scratched the surface a little bit more and actually discovered it's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I haven't backtracked and said, oh, yeah, everyone, it's actually shit. But um, I feel like I probably do owe that to some people, uh, some of our followers. <laughs> there's no there's no edit tweet function. You can't go back. It's out there now. <laughs> oh, no. But um, look, mate, you, there was there was one thing that did happen pre-match. And uh, look, I, I tell you what, you didn't really miss out on something particularly spectacular. But there, there seemed to be this fire alarm going off uh, at Wynn Stadium in Wollongong. And it pretty much just rang and rang and rang and nobody moved um i, I, I heard that no, that was that was still going a kickoff <laughs> <laughs> so so because that was ringing and ringing and no one was, was responding to it at one point i actually turned down the volume on the tv here and thought hang on is that here not actually on the tv but um I'm, look i'm sure i wasn't the only person that did that and I, there were even um there were plenty of people on social media as well that were looking at that going well, why is nobody moving there's meant to be a fire there <laughs> Um, so they should, they just keep it, I think. 
<laughs> just you know, have don't, that don't, as don't well. The Jets have like a like a uh, a siren or something when they come out, and you know the the Mac Bulls have got their bells. So I mean, why can't the Knicks have a have a have a fire alarm at, at Win Stadium? Well, actually, now that I now that I think about it, it actually would make sense if there's like a fire chicken that's flying overhead, and setting off all the fire <laughs> alarms. That it just it just makes sense, right? <laughs> but um. All right, uh, back to the football though. Um, this this was a pretty entertaining game. Like I said, uh, we had that peach of a goal from uh, Normanhoff on debut, um, and then uh, in true A League areas, we had uh, Wellington equalise, but no one saw it because the telecast failed. So um, that, every I feel like every week we talk about peak A League, but this is just another moment to add to a long list of of moments where you're just scratching your head, going, "Oh, geez, this league." I think that I think peak A League is this game as a whole, right? Like you had the fire alarm going inexplicably at the start. You had a beautiful goal by uh, Neuenhoff, and then you had um, a, a ghost goal from mm-hmm. from my boy Mirza. Uh, and you know, all, all together, you just get this this product, which is the best league in the world. So. <laughs> yeah, and like even the ghost goal, they they finally did show um, some footage of that. Can you still hear me? Yeah. <laughs> So um the there was uh there was, they finally showed some footage of the ghost goal but um it it just kind of um Everyone was very underwhelming with, like, even Speedy, who's normally very excitable, was saying how, uh, oh, yep, oh, it's just a scuffed scuffed tap in at the far post. And then it was like, what do you mean? Why is Speedy not excited about this? Maybe he didn't want to draw too much attention to the fact that um, Fox had fucked up. <laughs> well, he commentated it live, didn't he? He seemed excited because the broad, the, the pitch is cut out, but then um, I could still hear the commentary. And um, Speedy seemed pretty excited about it in real time. So I don't know what he's on about. Well, maybe that's it. Maybe because he saw it in real time. Then when he saw the replay of it, he was like, yeah, I overreacted a little bit there. It actually wasn't that good. <laughs> Can't take back the commentary, Speedy. Yeah, that's that shit's on the record, right? Um, but look, if, if that goal was uh, was pretty average, um, Bratton's winner, that was another worldie as well, which uh, I feel like there are, there are only average goals and absolute worldies in the A-League. I feel like... And there was another one in the in the game after this as well. But I mean, Bratton's free kick, wowee! That was just another absolute peach. That um, just thinking, like, where, where are these seemingly uh, uh, MPL quality players pulling this shit from? <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, it's it's great. This is just shaping up to be such a great season already. From what we've seen, you know, we've got all of these. Um, young kids, just like we thought we would, um, but you know, balanced yeah. out with like some good um, quality looking, quality looking foreigners coming in as well. It just they look to have struck the balance this season, and I'm I'm bloody excited. And you know, here we are, only at round two. Yeah, and, and you mentioned about um and uh, about quality quality foreigners. Um, Bobo is returning back to Sydney FC. I think that was like going to be their their big New Year's Eve uh, announcement that ended up getting railroaded by the APL announcement. Um, what do you make of Bobo returning to to Sydney FC? You think it's a good move for the player, good move for the club? I don't mind it. I think it is a good move for the club. A fan favourite. Um, you know, he's got uh, a bunch of records uh, in the A League. Uh, it was good for the league. It was proven first time around. I know he's sort of dropped off in, in the league since, but if he can come in and, and you know, be a foil for Bahadja off the bench or something like that, if he can, even if he can, like, I don't think we're really expecting him to score 20-plus goals um, 
you know, this season or a season if he stays longer. But um, I think, you know, if he can get 10 goals, grab himself a, cu- grab himself a couple of assists um, and just be a good foil for Bahaja, I think, you know, job done from Sydney. It's a good shout, I think. And I think Bahadur might, he can be the biggest winger, be the biggest winner, and also be the biggest loser out of this as well. Because, I mean, like a player like him, he, like, I mean, he's not the kind of player that's going to sort of run the channels. He, there's a bit more guile to his game. But um, you, you do wonder if uh, maybe he can pass on some of his knowledge and experience onto Bahadur. But I guess how much can players actually do that in sort of six to 12 months? And, but yeah, anyway. Um, or mate, anything else you want to talk about from from this game? No, I mean, other than just it was a it was a really great game. I think this is one of the best one of the one of the fixtures that you can sort of bank on um, in you know, especially last year, and I think it will be this season as well. You can just bank on it being a good game, given the Ufuktale um, Sydney blueprint that's sort of going on at the Knicks. Um, the, those style, like the Sydney v Sydney or Sydney v Sydney light, <laughs> it, they just match up so well, and it just always produces really good quality football. It, it, even though Wellington lost, I thought they were a really good value, and they were probably pretty disappointed they didn't get a point out of it. But yeah, that is a um, point. But yeah, great game, and look forward to seeing this this fixture in the reverse. Uh, all right, moving on to Melbourne Victory versus Brisbane. This is a game that you were at, Colby. And if there was one thing that immediately stood out for this, one, it was one, that there were fans there. Um, and two, that there would seem like there was a great atmosphere at this game, too. Uh, mate, talk us through it. How was it? This was a cracking atmosphere. This was like almost back to the like Melbourne Victory crowds of old. I mean, you know, they, they had. Oh. It was only like eight or nine thousand, I think, in the end. But it, it felt like more. It felt like fifteen thousand there at, at at Amy Park. They had both ends, both ends of the active going, um, and they were really loud uh, until Brisbane scored. Um, but they were. I mean, it was a cracking atmosphere, and the 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 um the active up one end had a tifo for um Ben Diaz, who I think was one of yep. the capos um of the North Terrace, and um I thought that was a really nice touch. It was a, a really it was like quite a good tifo, and as Stand by Me was playing um the the sort of Melbourne Victory staff like the club actually brought out a huge wreath of flowers and laid it at the at the foot of the active supporters, and I just think good club, good good fans. Well, I mean query but good good at good at uh you know singing and creating an atmosphere fans um yeah yeah great great day all around and let's that, uh, um, let's just talk about the result <laughs> mate but before we move on that that reference to to ben diaz and how that was all handled that was actually going to be my moment of the week before we had a uh pretty much a premier league only uh start to the pod um but i thought it was really well handled and uh obviously um Good for a club and their fans to be able to have sort of that collective uh, moment of mourning together Um, because ultimately clubs, um, when they sort of mature a little bit in the A-League, they become communities and we we really saw, I guess, uh, some collective grief there which they were able to um, display, which... Uh, I thought that was a really nice touch, and uh, I'm sure all of the the victory fa- uh, members that uh, and fans that that knew uh, Ben would have been happy to have um, done that in the, the way that they did. So, um, but moving back to the back to the match itself. Um, so you mentioned about how there was only sort of nine thousand there. Um, that's that's relative though, right? Like uh, after I think we've seen Premier League games where there's been two thousand people at a game, and you and you you recognise the fans and sort of the the organic nature of their their response to to uh, to moments in the match, and just the fact that it's 
that it's a crowd there rather than just a loop track of um, the same sort of three or four songs. Um, but it, it was um, it felt really different and it felt really alive as opposed to just um, yeah some of the matches that we've seen where there's been sort of piped in crowd noise. Um, it was just awesome to see. I really appreciate it. And I can't imagine how good it would have been being at that game after so many months of of no crowds and and no football live as well. Yeah, and I, I very nearly didn't go to this game as well because I thought I, I misread the um, the COVID restrictions and I thought they were asking people <laughs> to wear masks while at your seat. And I just thought, oh, like I would do it, but I, I think that would just spoil the experience because you sort of want to be singing and sort of stuff the whole time. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, th- thankfully it was just moving around the stadium and I think that they handled the, the COVID practices really well there at Amy Park. Um, you know, people were like doing staggered entry through particular gates and everyone like was 100% mask observant when people were moving throughout the stadiums and things like that. And there was distancing at the at the seats and stuff, maybe not in the in the victory active and things like that. But I'll tell you what, in the away bay, there was distancing. So uh, no, it was, it was all it was all very well done. If, if there's one thing that sort of um, does play to Melbourne strengths at the moment as a city, it's um, that we're, that everyone's pretty okay with mask compliance after like six to 12, or what are we, at least six months of, of compulsory masks. So it's not a new thing for Melbourneites anymore. Um, but, mate, onto the football though, um, I think uh, victory probably looked like the, the side more likely to, to take the lead early on, but it was actually the Raw who who scored first. And this was actually a bit of a surprise because I thought it was offside and I think everyone thought it was offside. And then VAR said, no, it's not offside. We all thought it was offside live as well. Um, you know, we, we still celebrated the goal, but then everyone, <laughs> like the, the victory, like all of the stadium just turned back and they were laughing at us as it got flagged for offside. And we were thinking, oh, yeah, that's that's probably right too. But then, yeah, on the replay, it was it was just very narrowly onside. But, yeah, talk about um, against the run of play goal. And, you know, Raw, um, you know, aren't, aren't particularly known for being super clinical, but they, I think they only had one other chance before this when Scotty Mack, in typical Scotty Mac styles, fluff a shot, uh, and so then to get this one on the on the second chance, that was that was great for the Raw. But I mean, that whole first half was just backs against the wall. Um, the victory were just you know putting in wave after wave of attack. Some of them the Raw got lucky, uh, and yeah, some some of them was it was just great defending by the Raw. But um, yeah, that wrote, wrote wrote our luck in the first half. That's for sure. Yeah, and, and I guess all of that pressure really culminated in uh, Callum McManaman's goal, uh, Steve's cousin, uh, for for the victory's opening goal in 24 minutes. Which I mean, uh, if if Sydney uh, were trying to put some good goals on the board early on, this game, wow, that that McManaman goal was an absolute peach. Yeah, you could, I mean, I think it hit the side netting as well. It just like curled right, right into the side. So I mean, um, but I mean, they only they only ended up getting that goal because Ramad Akbari fell over as well. But I mean, he he had to do the rest with it. But like, if if Akbari doesn't fall over there, then then it's then it's a clean sheet for the Raw. And like, I mean, the victory definitely deserved that goal. If if not another one or, or two, this I, I could have seen this this game being um, having a lot more goals than what it did. Yeah, and I mean, at, at halftime you thought, oh, this is this is obviously it was one all at halftime uh, on the scoreboard, but it felt like victory had been the better side, and um, it was a very different victory side and a very different raw side that came out in the second half, and um, we saw raw just pressing a little bit higher up the field, and and victory just they they looked like they had the game won. 
mentally and they just came out a very different side and um to to the Raw's credit i thought they were a very uh, much improved side in that second half and and they were awarded with with two more goals one for uh, macaulay gillespie uh tidy header from a corner um and then wow dylan wenzel halls is uh uh goal just to to seal things up mate talk us through that one because i know you want to that was a lovely goal that was that was uh that was J Mac Light, I think. That goal, that was, um, you know, counter attack. Uh, messy light. Ball over the top. Salah Light. Uh, it was ball <laughs> over the top. Nice control. Weaves one way, weaves the other way, and pokes it home. It was just a beautiful goal. Um, and you know, there was talk on the bench before that that um, you know we needed to see more from Dylan Wenzel Halls, and like we weren't, you know, no one, no one was really talking about a goal drought from him because he's still so young. But those expectations are going to come, and they're going to come soon. So. I think preemptively he's he's taken a bit of pressure off with that one and hopefully it's a bit of a confidence builder for him. Yeah, 100%. I think um, the, the timing was somewhat fortuitous too because I think no more than about five minutes prior to that, um, he, he slammed a ball just wide when really you'd think, yeah, he should be scoring there and it was probably an easier chance than the one that he actually scored. And so luckily for him, people aren't going to be talking about the one that he missed. Well, people other than me are going to be talking about the one that he missed. They're just going to be talking about this absolute screamer of a uh, of a goal, which, I, I mean, there are more, um, there are probably, what, three, four candidates for, for goal around this one, uh, this round. But this one got it for me because it, it wasn't just um, sort of a, maybe a bit of a speculative strike from outside of the box. There was, there was a little bit more to it, even if some of the defending was maybe questionable. Um. But mate, uh, look, fantastic result for for the Roar, as I said. Um, who, who do you think um, deserves the credit for, I guess, the the reaction in the second half? Do you think that goes to Moon, or do you think the players just uh, deserve the credit for, I guess, just sort of pulling their fingers out, maybe? Or, or what's your take on it? No, I think a lot of credit has to go to Warren Moon for this. Um, he saw it was going wrong at halftime, and he changed it very soon after halftime. I think what he was probably looking to do in the first half was was sort of keep the likes of Champness and Dylan Wenzel-Halls to use on the counter-attack. And then you also had Riku Danzaki in there and Scotty Mack as well. So you've got four attacking players when Victory were just throwing the kitchen sink at us in the first half. Um, but very soon after halftime, he took Joe Champness off and, and brought on Jesse Daly and the Raw just needed a little bit something uh, something extra and something a bit different in midfield and that's exactly what Jesse Daly gave when he when he came on and to be honest, that substitution changed the game. He was able to break up the play a lot more um, and just gave the Raw something different that they didn't have in midfield and and that's that's when you saw the game really change and the Raw had a lot more chances. So, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of credit has to go to Moon for, for that. A few more champness. No, Almost. Um, <laughs> man, that win uh, takes the Roar up to, to third place overall uh, come the end of the round. They've obviously won one and lost one. Uh, how are you feeling now about um, the, the Roar's chances or their, their start to the season now that you've actually seen them play? Uh, I'd like to see I'd like to see a few more games first. I mean, I, I, I did pick us to make finals in our A-League season preview, but I, I think I've picked the Roar to come in sort of fifth or sixth or, or something like that. Um, they're a good matchup for victory in this game because they did did ride their luck. And then when victory were um, throwing everything at us, we were able to counterattack well. So, um, yeah, that was a good matchup. But I'd be curious to see how they go against the other teams because that style might not match up so well against the rest of the league. 
Yeah, mate, it's uh, it's going to make for plenty more interesting football. And if we're talking about um, early season predictions, I just want to throw it out there that I said um, uh, victory would finish last. And so, uh, if we can just stop the if we can just stop the count now, because uh, victory are last. So, uh, thank you, ladies yeah, and gents, for coming. It. Love to see it. <laughs> oh dear. All right. Um, we move on to Sunday's games now. Um, first up, Macarthur uh, hosted their first uh, home match. Um, and uh, so they had Central Coast coming from uh, from the other side of Sydney, essentially, um, hosting um, their first home game with uh, um, starting with obviously the the debut of the of the cowbells, and also there was a um, Indigenous smoking ceremony and welcome to country, which I thought was a, a good touch for a, a club that has has really made um, probably the most effort of, of any A League team to um, to to put down roots and um, and to. To strengthen ties, I guess, with the indigenous community as well. Um, good goal from uh, the youngest, oldest A League player, Danny De Silva, in the in the first half. Uh, while Central Coast two point oh, <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit that way, isn't it? This is like the to- this is like the the young old derby with Tommy Orr and, and Danny De Silva both playing. Um, yeah, well, then you've got um, then you had um, Stagic uh, against uh, Milicic as well. The, the you know the replacement ex Matilda's coach, yeah. yeah. Next Matilda's coach, Derby. And and look, there were there were quite a few really, really short players in this one too. Like you had um uh, Danny De Silva was obviously pretty short, but um I think he's Josh Nisbet. He's got to be I think so um there was a little bit of hype chat floating around on on uh, social media <laughs> about this. And Josh Nisbet is so you know Daniel Potence in in the Premier League, like he's he's five five and then um I can't remember who the, I picked out another player who I remembered was really short, who's five four, and then um, Josh Nisbet is five three. Like that's wow, really yeah. fucking short. Immobile is quite short as well, isn't he? In Serie A, Ooh, is he? Yeah, I thought he was quite short. Or maybe it's maybe think, maybe oh, I might be thinking of another Italian forward. Sorry. Oh, maybe. Hold on, I'm googling now very quickly how tall Mobile is. Nah, he's tall. He's like six foot, so it's definitely oh, not him. Right. I'm, maybe I'm you're just thinking. Listeners, get at us. Get at us. <laughs> get into the DMs, ladies and gents. Um, so uh, yeah, look, good goal for for Danny De Silva. Scored uh, from about eight yards from an uh, Josh Nisbet cross. Um, and at that point, you're probably thinking, okay, well. Um, MacArthur was still in the game and they pressed really hard for an equaliser, but um, just wasn't their day. Um, uh, Central, uh, sorry, yeah, Central Coast were able to to finalise the win though with uh, Bowman uh, crossing for Jordan Smiley, great name, uh, to to finish the game off and and clinch the the two 0 victory for uh, for Central Coast. Um, Back-to-back wins for Central Coast now. First time they've done that in, I'm led to believe, 14 years uh, to open the season with back-to-back wins. Um, how important is that for, for Central Coast? Unbelievably important. And I'm I'm so curious to know what this does to the team now and, you know, whether they can galvanise and go on a bit of a run now that they've got this little little bit of confidence and, and you know, like clubs that are just you know, can't stop the losses and, and, and can't stop it, things like that. And they just get into this terrible mentality, just need a circuit breaker like this and hoping that this can be a bit of a circuit breaker for the Mariners and, and restore a bit of the belief, at least in the team. 
Yeah, and, and um, you mentioned about a bit of a run. It's moments like this where you're hoping that just like the matches just come thick and fast, right? But um, So their next game isn't until the 19th when they play Western Sydney, which is a bit disappointing, I guess, for the Mariners. They would have liked a, like maybe even a mid- midweek game so that they could sort of keep those good vibes rolling. Um, and so, yeah, they play Western Sydney on the 19th of January and then three days later they play Sydney. So um, the, the wheels could be coming off in uh, in, in like January, but um, I guess we'll wait and see. Um, and look, I, I want the Mariners to be a success. Um, it doesn't help anyone in the league if one particular or multiple clubs are, are really struggling for for year after year because obviously then they struggle to attract players. And and if you have one one club that's just struggling, it, it just affects the whole league. I think so. Um, fingers crossed that, that they're able to get a, a good result and good, put into a good performance against the Wanderers um, next week. Um, but MacArthur, sorry, mate. Oh no, no, no! It's just oh, just while we're on the Mariners, oh, I was just going to say they were they they played really well in this game. I thought, um, but I thought they were. I don't know whether you call it fortunate. Probably not fortunate because MacArthur didn't change anything. But that matchup of Nisbet on Golek uh, on the right flank uh, gave the Mariners so much joy. Nisbet had a great game, and and Golek was just not able to get anywhere near him. And just um, NPL quality. Everything just everything just came down that right flank, and um, they, they were looking really good. And the other thing I wanted to say is, how triggered are you that Jack Clisby is wearing the eleven at left back? Oh, no, like that. <laughs> it was it's um it, it's rule um who's it was a wonderful left foot plays for Newcastle. What's his name? Matt Ritchie. Matt Ritchie. Uh, I think he does the same thing. I think he wears yeah. number eleven. And Charlie Daniels as well at Bournemouth. He was wearing eleven at left back too. Yeah, no. Nah, I don't like it, but there's also I don't think any other position where you could where you could maybe well where it's maybe been replicated. Like you don't see a lot of right backs wearing seven, except Frangic in this game. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Way to prove me wrong. Thanks for that. <laughs> but yeah, so um, look, and and maybe it wasn't the best, uh, not necessarily the best performance by by MacArthur. They didn't create heaps of chances either. Um, and, and so I guess uh, after a good result uh, the previous week, um, still showed that they they still got some ways to go um, in order to uh, to make finals. I guess uh, by the end of the season. Um, but look, if there was one one thing that um, no one could ignore out of this game, it was um, the cowbells. Yeah. Colby, give us your take on the cowbells. You, you like them or you hate them? I thought they were very gimmicky before the start of the season. When they announced them, I thought, "Oh yeah, no, that's that's not going to catch on." But um, hearing, it. but hearing them at the game, I saw I sort of liked it. And what made me like it even more was the visceral reaction that everybody had to it. I was all about the cowbells. So. <laughs> no one is on the fence about the cowbells, are they? You either love no. them or you hate them. <laughs> Absolutely. Mate, I'm a huge fan of them. I think um, I like that 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 fans, hate, sorry, opposition fans in particular, really hate them. Um, you just know that um, whenever MacArthur get up at home, they're going to be ringing the cowbells, and it's going to drive you absolutely bonkers if you're an away supporter that makes the away trip there. Um, and and like that's that's not necessarily a bad thing if if away fans hate it, like. Guys, lean into that, like embrace that, and I think um, uh, I did even see someone in in one of the like MacArthur fans online saying, "Yeah, cool, like by all means, like em- embrace that, and and it might sort of help to build sort of a bit of a siege mentality around the club if, if everyone hates them because of the cowbells. Awesome. If anything's going to make them stick, it's that. 
Yep. Um, interesting enough, uh, you remember, I think it was about a year ago, we were talking about how they, uh, this was when they first uh, announced their team colors, I think it was. They said that they were going to uh, produce like a, a one-off sort of foundation members um, jersey. Um, and it was only available if you signed up like 12 months ago for a membership. Um, subsequently, the um, they, they've since handed them out to, to all of the foundation members, but because I don't think they got enough foundation memberships, um, they've they've got heaps left over, and I've heard that they're now flogging off those foundation jerseys <laughs> at at the grounds, and uh, predictably, fans are not not impressed because um, you only got one of them if you're a foundation member. <laughs> so uh, yeah, just I mean, l- little things like that do annoy do annoy the fans, and I mean. And for one, I'm like, well, they're still a business. They've got to flog off excess stock and you can't just throw it out, right? But at the same time as well, I can uh, I can understand the, the fans' perspective as well of, hey, well, I, I paid for that. Like, how come now any um, any sort of regular Joe can just uh, walk past the stadium and get one? But, yeah. Clubs, have, clubs in the A-League have been doing this with memberships for the past couple of seasons as well. I think the Woo did it last season, didn't they, where they had um, – where they, like, got all the um, – the members sign up and then like a week or two before the season, they did this like deep discount and everyone was blowing up and, and I'm sure other clubs have done it as well um, that the listeners could, could fill us in on. But um, it, it seems to be something that, that needs to happen in the A-League for whatever reason. So <laughs> Just more A-League areas, right? Mm. All right, uh, just to wrap things up, one final match, which was uh, involved Melbourne City travelling to the South Australian capital shithole, uh, Adelaide, in a rematch of last year's FFA Cup final. Um, similar results for City as uh, Scott Jamison was sent off and the match just sailed away from City um, with the match finishing 2-0 to Adelaide. Um, Matt Olsen asks, uh, can Urich uh, get in the goals uh, in front of an inexperienced Adelaide side? And if so, uh, could he be back in Socceroos contention? Oh, I mean, firstly, could he get goals in front of an inexperienced Adelaide side? Yes, because who else is going to get them? I mean, uh, Halloran maybe, but... Um, maybe Stephen Walk. <laughs> you know, there, there might be few and far between the, the Mork goals, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if anyone's going to... Yeah, he, he's in the team to get the goals. He's in there to be the number nine and to put away the chances. Um, maybe the Toure's, uh, but, you know, they're, they're sort of more like your, your goals from the, the wingers, the Toure's and, and your Halloran's. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Juric can get goals. He's, he's a quality player, especially for this league, uh, and he should get goals um, with, with a bit of those guys around him. But, you know, will he get back into the Socceroos? I mean... Taggart and Maka are in good form, but I suppose Juric does provide something different, and that's what Ange always liked about him. We don't have any other strikers in the Socceroos set up that are in the mould of Juric. Maybe if we got Lyndon Dykes uh, instead of him going to Scotland, <laughs> he might have <laughs> filled that role. But Too, too um, soon, mate. But, um, <laughs> yeah, like Juric has that on his side in terms of um, getting back into the frame for, for Socceroos contention. He's, he's um, very good in the air. He's a big physical striker who can play with his back to goal. Um, you know, as opposed to your sort of Maccas and Taggarts who, um, while they're trying to build other parts of their game, they're very much an on-the-shoulder kind of set of strikers, those two. Yeah, and I guess uh, a player that can bring in other other players around him, I, I think that's uh, something that's going to be really valuable uh, in helping those those younger players that Adelaide um, grow and, and also get good good output too in terms of assists and 
uh, and, and goals themselves. So um, I don't know. Like we, we saw Tommy Urich get a goal uh, um, this week for, for Adelaide. So and it wasn't sort of your typical sort of poacher's finish or anything like that. It was it was off a well-worked set piece. So I don't know. We'll wait and see. I mean, I personally didn't uh, think that um, this would turn out to be a great signing. But, I mean, so far so good for, for Tommy Urich. Um, mate, someone who we who I mentioned just uh, just earlier, Stefan Mork, he got the second goal for, for Adelaide, which pretty much um, secured the three points for them. Um, Stefan Mork's a player that um, probably both you and I have, have seen a little bit at when he was at the Raw most recently. But before that, he was at um, Melbourne City, I'm pretty sure, as well. And, uh, I mean, I've got to be honest, I, I didn't really rate him at City. I thought he just ran around like a, a chicken with his head cut off and, and didn't particularly offer a lot of uh, uh, guile or... Or creativity he just ran a lot. Um, what did you think about um, Stefan Mork during his time at the Raw? I rated him at the Raw. I was actually a little bit sorry to see him go. I thought he, uh, I sort of interpreted his running around as um, a bit of dynamism in the midfield, and you know he, he definitely gave a bit of steel to that Raw midfield, which it didn't have, and which hopefully they can get through now. Jesse Daly, but um, you know the, the the jury's still out on him. He, he'll he'll have to prove himself at A League level over a longer period of time. But Stefan Mork. I think I like the way he plays. I, he seems to me to be like a bit of an out-and-out number eight, like he can get into the box and score the odd goal every now and again. He's got and a big engine, right? He's got a big engine. He'll get back and defend. Um, so I like that about him. Yeah, he, he strikes me as the kind of player that um, hasn't maybe quite felt uh, quite found the the right club for him yet, or the right system. And he's not it's not one of those sort of system players where you need everything to be um, to be based around him. But if this sense that he needs he needs his niche um, uh, and and some of the right ingredients around him for him to really prosper, and and I guess for him to be in a winning team as well would help too. So. Um, Maybe we'll see uh, a little bit more of Stefan Mork and, and he'll have some success this season. Um, one thing before we before we wrap up, though, and I mentioned it very briefly at the top about this red card for uh, for Scott Jamison, two yellow cards. How dumb was this? Did you see this? Oh, I didn't. See, I didn't actually see the incident that he got sent off for, but. Um, I mean, when I see Jamo to yellow cards, I'm never surprised in the slightest. Like this, this, so, this happens multiple times a season. So the the second yellow card was just the the most rust like cast iron yellow card you've ever seen, and um, I, I can't remember which one of the the Adelaide wingers it was that was coming down the right hand side that pretty much just sort of burst past him, knocked the ball past him, and he just sort of took out his legs, and he pretty much ripped off the ca- captain's armband immediately, and just started walking because he knew that he was getting sent, and was like, well, "What'd you do that for?" Like. Surely there had to be another way of dealing with that situation, but apparently not. Jamo going to Jamo, I guess. I always um, think it's weird when when teams like have their hot head as their captain. Yeah, <laughs> like in any other sport, the captaincy sort of like calms you down, but in football, it doesn't seem to work that way. Like you have your hot head, and he just stays a hot head. <laughs> not not so clever, is it? Um, but look, mate, that, I think that pretty much wraps things up for, for A-League. But if there's one thing I do want to mention before we wrap things up in general, it's about um, A-League survivor tipping. So, uh, Colby, you did quite well in week one. You made it through. You were you were one of the, what was it, 13 people that made it through um, the first round. So we had 22 people that dropped out um, after an unsuccessful first round tip. Um, three, three of those... Um, 
those 13 didn't make a tip in uh, in round two. So we, we lost or it, uh, lost a few straight off the cuff as it was. Um, and then there were another six who who got it wrong straight away. So um, we, we still at the moment only got HS Zen who's sticking around. And then there's three who picked either Newcastle or Western Sydney. Um, so, yeah, we, we could already have uh, a winner after two rounds if uh, if there's a draw in, in the Newcastle-Western Sydney game. So... I reckon um, we'll get through quite a few of these. Um, I, I picked the Mac Bulls only because I couldn't tip the Mariners twice, given the, the nature of A-League survivor. You can't tip you can't tip the same team twice. So, I mean, I was, I was hamstrung by the Mariners. For, fortunately, I didn't make that a, an explicit rule, but everyone seemed to abide by that anyway, which was um, which was handy. I'm glad I didn't have to have that conversation with people. Alrighty, um, I think that's that's been a lot of fun. Uh, if if no one, nothing else other than for for me, who's seen uh, all of the successful and, and failed uh, tips. But um, I think, uh, like you say, Colby, I think we'll do that a couple more times throughout the season. Maybe not necessarily back to back throughout the season. Otherwise, people will get sick of the being into the third comp by the fifth round. <laughs> But well, um, you've got no, to the winner, give the winner a couple of weeks to celebrate their win, hold the title, and uh, we go again. Exactly. Um, so we'll, we should have an update for everyone uh, come Friday uh, afternoon or Friday evening uh, Australian time. So looking forward to that. Um, but that pretty much wraps things up for, for A-League. Um, thanks for joining us, Colby, and stepping into the breach at the last minute. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone else. Mm-hmm.